My mother was not especially fond of Mother's Day. Well, there's no not especially about it. She wasn't, <laughs> at least not the church version. There was a big to-do at our church with corsages for the oldest mother, or the youngest mother, or maybe it was the youngest, the mother with the youngest child, or and the mother with the most children present. And um, and we did this thing where you wore a rose, a flower, of um, if a red rose if your mother was still living, and a white rose if your mother had died. <clears throat> it wasn't all that that bothered her though. It was the sermon. Every year, the always male minister, pretty steeped in traditional gender roles, extolling all the traits and characteristics of a virtuous Christian woman and what the perfect mother should be. And she knew she fell far short of that perfection. She didn't, of course, fall far short, at least not as much as she thought. I was lucky to have her as a mother. Mother's Day is complicated. It shouldn't necessarily be. Julia Ward Howe, a Unitarian who wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic, um, wrote a Mother's Day, the Mother's Day Proclamation because she was tired of seeing the effects of war. Not just what happened to those in battle and the damage done there, but the result of that on what happened to those at home. The Mother's Day proclamation encouraged mothers to gather together and put an end to war. It did not begin as the hallmark holiday that we know today. That hallmark Mother's Day is the one that gets so complicated. I'm aware that not everyone was lucky enough to have a mother like mine. And not everyone even grew up with their mother or a mother. And being a mother is also complicated, with some having children they don't want or in a role they realize they aren't cut out for. And then those who desperately want children and are unable to have them. And there are those who don't want children but are constantly pressured. Some adopt, and some of us are adopted. Some mother other people's children and are mothered by those who are not their mother. And other mothers have children who have died. Honestly, I don't know how parents survive that, only that somehow they do. So let's take a moment now to honor all those experiences and all those stories and just hold that. And let's take a moment in this Unitarian Universalist congregation to honor and understand the role of mother as archetype. Nurturing, compassionate, firm, kind, with good boundaries. The role of nurturer is not limited to a biological type or a gender role. We all, male and female, gender queer and non-binary, can all be nurturers. And we can be in touch with that part of ourselves that frankly the world desperately needs. The last thing I want to do today is agitate any mother wound 
or even hint at any of you falling short as a mother or as a parent or with your mothering instinct. But I want to acknowledge that all of us can be mothers, parents, nurturers. And I want to acknowledge how hard it is right now to be a parent. Maybe that's true for you and maybe it isn't. The other day I was in a clothing store. I was around the corner from a clerk who couldn't see that I was there. She was on her phone and she, as she was folding and preparing clothes, and she was talking to someone about her daughter, how her daughter sees all these um, people on social media with all the fancy clothes and the shoes and the electronics and the trips they take. And there's so much pressure to measure up to those social media, social influencer standards. We don't have the kind of money to do all those things, she, she exclaimed to her friend on the phone, but my children think that we should. I've heard from teenagers here how much pressure they feel from social media to be a certain way, to be skinny, to wear certain clothes, to conform to some standard. But that moment in the store helped me realize how much pressure it also is for the parents. I will admit to you that I am concerned about our children and youth. I'm concerned because of three years of pandemic, even though it's more open, life is still pretty weird. It feels like we're afraid to put ourselves out there, not out there in the world doing things, but out there fully into life. We've been so vulnerable. Maybe we just don't want to open that up anymore. Given all that shifted, all that we've experienced the last three years, it's understandable that we're proceeding with caution. What we've been through was quite traumatic and the effects of it linger longer and harder for some of us than others. It makes sense that we would unconsciously hold on, that we are cautious about fully engaging. And maybe, I don't know if this is true for you, there's a little time, what I call time worry. Amidst all the fear and adjustment in those early pandemic days, we may have also had the time that we weren't used to having. Those days that I come to Leesburg, I spend no less than an hour and a half in my car, sometimes more, and traveling even between my home and here is an hour and a half, but then to go places from here or back and forth took, takes more time. But what I realized was that I had so much time, not to mention what I saved in gas money, but there wasn't really anywhere to go for that first 18 months. So of course, but I liked that time. I actually was able to do more on Zoom for the church than I was traveling, than I felt like I had traveling back and forth. Now that I've seen how to do it, I can adjust it. But I, did, I do notice that. I know that there are those shifts for you too. They may not be that, but, some, but whatever those shifts are. The, the pandemic is giving us an opportunity to evaluate and reflect. 
What do we want to do with our time and with our energy? What do we want to do with our money? What is really important? How and where do we process what we've been through? And where do we find support to make the shifts that we need? I have an answer for that. You know what I'm going to say, right? Church, especially a Unitarian Universalist church. It's one of the best investments we can ever make. UU religious educator Angus McLean, he was born in 1892. He lived until the 1969, I think. He writes, in church services, we measure ourselves against the best that we know. The church is the only place we go to acknowledge publicly and privately that we need to be wiser and better people. It's the only fellowship we join specifically to get what I cannot describe better than a God's eye view of ourselves. Well, the current religious educators have, have upped their game on this. Basically, they say, they have this mantra, faith development is all we do. Unitarian Universalism is what we teach. The congregation is the curriculum. Faith development is all we do. Unitarian Universalism is what we teach. The congregation is the curriculum. Despite the needs and expectations from families, and despite the changes in those needs and expectations, the reason people join the congregation ha hasn't changed. They're looking for spiritual transformation, authentic community, and an opportunity to change the world. The purpose of the church is to facilitate that. Children and younger youth don't, don't mostly actually choose church. They come because they're brought to church by the adults who have chosen it. But kids are people too, and they have the same longing for deepening, for beloved community, for serving and changing the world. We get to offer opportunities for kids to have transformational experiences in beloved community. We facilitate and nurture children and youth and families in spiritual transformation and beloved community. Some of you probably saw the Braver, Wiser article this week from our, from our Unitarian Universalist Association. It's published every Wednesday. I'm going to share it and check it out. Check out Braver, Wiser. It's wonderful. Reverend Joanna Fontaine Crawford told the story about a young boy in her congregation who loved wearing nail polish. But when he went to school, he was mocked for it, as you might imagine. But some of the men in the church heard about this. And men of all ages showed up the next Sunday with their nails painted. Teenagers, business types, old men, she says. She writes that it was one of the most loving acts that she has ever witnessed. What we teach on Sunday mornings in RE or youth group, and honestly, it has been so good this year. The youth have been working through a coming of age program that has had so many great activities and experiences, and they're so smart, y'all. Oh my God, I love them so much. Um, 
and they drive me nuts. But <laughs> but they're I love them so much. I can't even say I want you to love them as much as I do. Um, but in less than two weeks, six of those I think will leave for a Boston heritage trip with our DRE Wendy Mora and Nicola Cook chaperone. Um, the children have also had amazing activities, but what is taught in the classroom is not as important as developing the relationships that happen with their attendance and their presence. And it works the same for kids as for adults. There's a daily spiritual practice, a weekly spiritual practice, a once monthly spiritual practice, a yearly retreat and lifetime pilgrimage. The weekly practice is this hour on Sunday mornings. Yes, it's a commitment, and yes, there are classes, but what happens as a result of showing up every Sunday, as many Sundays as possible, is that you and children and the youth build and find community. We can be the place in their lives where we actively, consciously choose to offer a reality check about social media for ourselves and for our kids, a place where we consider what really matters, a place where we talk about hard things, and it's okay to talk about those hard things, where we celebrate loose teeth and learner's permits and dances and plays and concerts and paintings. Wow, are our kids into the arts. They're terrific. As part of the coming of age curriculum, the youth recently chose a project to focus their attention toward. Think about all the possibilities of what they could have chosen. They chose mental health. They know. They know how much they've been through and how much we've all been through. And they know the struggle of feeling good about themselves, of drifting, of finding their way, that feeling of just keeping your head above water. They know. What is the most loving response that we can offer to that? What is the most loving thing that we can do for our children and our youth and for their parents? Talk to them when they're here. Talk to the children and youth. Know their names. Let's love them like our own because they are our own. Faith development is all we do not just for children and youth, but for adults too. Unitarian Universalism is what we teach. There's so much to learn about this deep, rich, complicated faith and our part in it and who we are. The congregation is the curriculum. We learn it together. We learn it here in learning about each other and about ourselves. That's us as individuals and us as a system. Church is the antidote. It's the support system and the connection that is deeper than games that get played in school, or yes, even dances and theaters. I'm not saying choose one or the other. I am saying, get your kids here on Sunday. Get yourselves here. Fight through this pandemic malaise. Overcome the fatigue. You will feel better in returning and in committing and in having a place to belong. There is no place like here where we offer the values that are important to you, values that plant the seeds, that make the world a better place, where fin 
friendships develop and where acceptance is taught, where they can experience being loved as they are and where we can be loved as we are. It takes a village and we're the village. This is my prayer and my hope this day. Blessed be and amen.